Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. As my wonderful wife already said, uh, my name is Marty and it's great to have you here. We got the great privilege of uh, leading this location of Elevation. And so over the next uh, two weeks... Um, we're going we're gonna to speak about uh, the Holy Spirit. So if you were with us last week, uh, we had a guest speaker, Pastor Alan Ward, who um, shared a few scriptures about the Holy Spirit, uh, shared a, a bunch of inspiring just faith stories about how the Holy Spirit had worked through, through his life. And so over the next two weeks, I want to uh, teach a little bit more about what the, who the Holy Spirit is, how does that work in and through our lives. And, and the title, um, I Need a Ghost, comes from a, a great song by a Christian artist called Brandon Lake. I'll, I'll read you a couple of uh, lines from the song. Uh, it says, I need a Holy Ghost awaken in my soul. I need a love that glows, rattling my bones till the evidence shows. I need a Holy Ghost awaken in my soul. I need a heart on fire that'll never grow tired wherever I go. You know, I don't know what your um, past church's experience has, well, I know if you've been here for the last two years what your past church experience has been, but uh, prior to that, uh, I, I'm not sure what, it, what it's been like. Uh, I'm not sure, maybe you're here for the first time on a Sunday and you've never stepped foot inside a church before. Um, so I, I'm not sure what our different backgrounds are, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we can have a whole bunch of different uh, understandings and experiences. For myself, uh, I grew up in what's known as a, a Pentecostal church in the 1990s, which means that uh, I saw a lot of strange things that were attributed to the Holy Spirit that might not have been so much of the Holy Spirit. But also, uh, I'm very thankful for my um, experience there and the teaching and my understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and how He wants to work in and through our lives. And so over these next couple of weeks, that's really where we wanna, wanna center upon is that, okay, this third work or the third person of the Trinity is Holy Spirit. Who, who is He? What, what, what's, the, what's the point? What's He, what's he here for? And, and maybe you're like newish to church and you know, oftentimes we do this in church really badly, but we use the same, we use, sorry, we use a different name for the same things that can all get a little bit confusing. So let, let, me, just, let me just explain. If we say Holy Ghost, if we say Holy Spirit, if we say Spirit of God, we're talking about the same person. We're talking about the same thing. It's just, it's just different names. Now, not only is there multiple names for the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, Spirit of God, um, but also in the Bible, particularly when Jesus is speaking, He uses a bunch of descriptive words to uh, explain the role of the Holy Spirit. And so this morning we're going to center on uh, one of those that's found in the Bible, and um, we're going to center on one of those occasions as our main text this morning. But just before we get here, uh, just stay with me for a second. Uh, I want to read to you just really simply from our uh, statement of faith. So we're part of a denomination which is called International Network of Churches. It used to be called uh, Christian Outreach Center, but it got rebranded about seven, eight, I keeps, I've been saying seven years for a long time. So it's probably like 10 now. But anyway, so um, 
I, I, I want to read this to you because this is, this is sort of like plain and simple foundation, what we believe about the Holy Spirit. Then I'll unpack it a little bit more so it makes more sense. So first one is this, is we believe the Holy Spirit is also fully God, co-equal with both the Father and the Son. That means that we believe in a God that's three parts, a God that's one, but made up of three parts, Father, Spirit, Son, and I'll start singing all those songs that talk about, that talk about the Trinity in a, in, in a second. But the, the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead, three in one. We believe He also indwells in every believer from the moment of salvation. That is, when we acknowledge our need for Jesus Christ and that the only way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus because of his sacrifice on the cross, because of his, uh, because of his resurrection from the dead and ascension to heaven, that the only way to God is through Jesus. When we make that decision, the Spirit comes and indwells in us. We believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit is a distinct and ongoing experience that's promised to every believer. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, today. That's found, in the, that's found in the book of Acts. And uh, the last thing here is we believe that believers, that's us, those who believe in Christ, uh, should desire and pray for the various spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit sovereignly distributes as He will, as He wills, sorry. And we'll spend a bunch of time mostly on that uh, next week. But there's gifts that come via the Holy Spirit that he has for each and every one of us and he determines the gifts that we get and our desire is to thirst and hunger uh, after him. So you might be thinking, um, great, all that belief, doctrinal sort of stuff, that's great, but can you just give me, what, what does that actually mean? Like, can you give me something practical? The answer is yes. So here we go. We're going to look at Jesus speaking. This is in John chapter 14. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. If not, it'll be on the screen behind me. Verses 16 and 17, Jesus speaking. He says this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. That, that's a word describing the Holy Spirit, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. For a moment, I want to focus on this word uh, advocate. Maybe you're like, are you serious? Like another name? Didn't we just go through like three, four different names? But, but as I said, uh, this one here is a little bit more, it's it's a description for us to understand who the Holy Spirit is and his role. This, this word advocate, uh, the original meaning of it means both comfort and counsel. Comfort and counsel. That comfort that he is here to help us, to strengthen us. That counsel speaks of uh, an advisor, a, a legal defender, that there's a prompting, there's a guiding, there's a leading. And, and I know there's many people here this morning, and maybe you hear those words and you hear those descriptions, and you're like, wow, that's, that's what I need. I, I, need, a, I need a comforter. I, I, I'm feeling down, I'm grieving, I'm worn out. No one really understands what I'm what I'm going through, I'm out of options and I've had thoughts of giving up. I want to tell you the Holy Spirit, part of His role is to comfort. He is a comforter. And I bet there's many people here as well that could use a counselor today, that you need direction. 
Maybe need answers to complicated problems or advice about the future or pressures that you haven't even told your spouse about or maybe you can't sleep or you're anxious about the decisions that are in front of you. I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit is an advocate. He's a counselor who is here and available today to work in and through you whatever circumstance you might be facing. So that's the, that's the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit. But that scripture that we just read continues. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's just said to his disciples, remember we just read that the world won't recognize this advocate, the Holy Spirit. However, it continues in verse 17 and says this, Jesus speaking to the disciples, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus says to his disciples, he says that you know him, that is that as followers of Jesus, they've been listening to the words of Jesus, as they've been as best as they can, they've been understanding the, the teaching that he's brought, that they've taken time to learn and to listen to Jesus and, and to understand. Uh, Jesus says that this, this Holy Spirit lives with you now, and that is at that time the Holy Spirit was there dwelling with Jesus. But then the, Jesus points to something that happens later. He says, later he will be in you. That is, Jesus pointed to that time after he ascends to heaven when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples on the day of Pentecost as they were gathered together in, in unity and prayer and in worship. And that word in there, it speaks of being wholly joined, that we would be under the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit, that we'd be activated by the Holy Spirit, we'd be inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so... What we're going to do for the rest of our time today is we're going to discover what are, what are the two ways that we can activate this advocate, this Holy Spirit in, in our lives. So, you know, if you're taking notes and you haven't made up a title already, you, you can put activate the advocate as a title. I know repeating A's, classic preacher. We know, we know that, but you can, you can activate the advocate because that's what we want to speak about today. And so first point of this is we, if we're going to activate the Holy Spirit, if we're going to activate the advocate in our lives. Number one is this is first, we must thirst. First, we must thirst. John 7 verse 37, Jesus speaking again. It says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. We're going to get a little bit a little bit deep for a second, a little bit historical for a second. So that festival that Jesus was speaking at uh, was actually what the Jewish people at the time called the, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a, an annual reminder of Israel being delivered from Egypt into the Sinai Desert. For me, I would have loved to be in Israel because they always celebrated with food, like feasts, like come on, like that's, 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 that's the real stuff. It's, it's amazing, they had a feast for everything. Um, so during that, uh, during that time, this, this festival celebrated that while they lived in tents in the desert, that the Lord, that God miraculously provided for a thirsty Israel in the wilderness. That's what this feast was all about. And so what they used to do at the feast in uh, New Testament times when Jesus was speaking, for the first seven days, the priests would go down to a pool, they'd pick up big jars of water, 
and they'd splash it across, some people say the altar, some people say the pavement, it doesn't really matter, they'd just get the water and they'd, they'd splash it somewhere. And this was expressing, this was something physical that they did that expressed their nation's hope for the future rains that would come and a reminder that it was God who provided for them when the nation was thirsty in the desert. Water also represents all throughout the Bible God's spirit. So at the time, the Jewish people, they were, they were spiritually dry. They were oppressed under Roman rule. Um, and then Jesus gets up, and what's, what's significant about it says it was the last and the greatest day of the feast. So, so they did that for seven days. Then on the eighth day, they didn't do it. And that was a sign that, that it reminded them that they had entered into the promised land way back when, and so... Therefore, the land could then supply, uh, supply the water for them, could, could come and quench their thirst. But also, it symbolized that there would be a promise coming, a Messiah, the Son of God, who would one day come and pour out the Spirit of God. And so Jesus stood there and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. This promise that he was speaking of, this living water that he was talking about was the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, let anyone, that is that Jesus invited all, regardless of race, regardless of class, regardless of nationality, to receive the living water, that is the Holy Spirit, into their lives. But he said this, and this is why first we must thirst. He said, um, he or she who is thirsty... There's something about being thirsty. But only those who want it, who desire it, who see their need for this filling of the Holy Spirit, that God doesn't come and doesn't like put a foot on someone's neck and say, you know what, you don't want this. But did you ever, if you had a toddler, um, did you ever get the foot, you know, like you've tried the plane like 10 times and then and now you're maybe a little bit frustrated. This never happened to us. I just heard about it somewhere. And so maybe you held their mouth open a little bit and you're like, you will eat this, you know, mashed up, disgusting sweet potato with a lot of water in it or, or, or whatever. God doesn't do that to us. He doesn't do that with His Holy Spirit. He just looks for people who are thirsty, people who are ready and willing and available for Him to pour out His Spirit into. The Scripture continues. I'll read uh, John 7, 38. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Whoever believes in Me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, verse 39, he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Notice that Jesus says this, this Holy Spirit is coming. He says, this is what's happened in our past. But right now, Jesus says, I'm fulfilling the prophecy because in a short time, this Holy Spirit is not, just come, is not just going to come upon people, upon special people, upon prophets or upon kings, but it's available for each and every single person, no matter race, no matter gender, no matter class. There's a Holy Spirit that's coming, and it's not coming from the outside in, in a sense. It is poured out by God, but then He says, streams of living water will flow out of you, out of you, not 
that the preacher on a Sunday will give you streams of water to fill you up for a week. Then you'll go about, you'll drip out a bit, you'll you know, put, a, put, a, put a bit back, then you'll come back and you'll say, okay, can you give me a, can you give me a little bit more? Or not, not that a worship song will necessarily come and fill you and if I lift my hands in the right place, then, then I'll get filled. No, there's something about being thirsty after God that then the rivers of living water flow out from us to a broken world. The scripture, that, oh, I already read that part, so sorry, I was gonna read 39 again, but Jesus gave this one requirement to have this living water, this Holy Spirit, and that is thirst, thirst, thirst. That's what God requires of us, that he would pour out his spirit, is that we would thirst after it. This word in the original language, which was Greek, is uh, dipsao, which means a, uh, to painfully feel a want, to eagerly long for, and to even suffer want while, while waiting for something to happen. Can, can you remember the thirstiest you've ever been? Where, where, where you, I, I don't know, maybe you just played like a lot of sport and forgot your water and like no one would share their Gatorade with you and you're like, I just, I just, I just need some water. Maybe you're out in the outback or a desert somewhere and, and, and you'd run out of water. Did you, do you, do you remember that? Do you remember the, the painful feel, the, the eager anticipation of wanting water? You know, there's uh, some of the great men that were with us on our um, Bluff Knoll trip last week, I'm sure um, halfway up the bluff had that feeling, that dipseo feeling of surely it's coming, surely it's the top of the mountains just around the corner, only when, if you know, if bluff knowledge, you come around the back, you're like, ah, oh, there's still so far to go, then you make another turn, ah, oh, still further, ah, oh, still, still further, and then you're at the top, then you're like, oh, that's right, I can't helicopter off the top of here, we have to go back down with sort of like jelly legs and rocks and all, all this sort of thing, there was this eager anticipation to get somewhere. Um, as, a, as a family, we watch um, a decent amount of uh, Bear Grylls, Man vs. Wild, if, you, if you're familiar with him. And I've seen the ways that you can go and the means that you can use when you're thirsty to get water. You can find moisture at the base of random, you know, cacti's if you like get your, you know, epic machete that you've just carried with you and you like chop it out and then you like step on it and you get some, get some water out. You can get water that's been, you know, sitting disgusting with like little bugs and stuff in it. But if you put it in a zip bag and then put it on the back of your pack for a long time, the sun comes through and destroys, and destroys all the, you know, bad things that are in there and then you, then you can drink it. Um, I've seen him filter strange you know, yellow type sort of liquids through a sock because I'm sure that's then, that's then healthy. It's, when you're thirsty, there's amazing things that you can do. In fact, just before we went to uh, Bluff Knoll the other week, uh, we were watching one where he got some, you know, yellow liquid like in a, in a Ziploc bag and then used it as a magnifying glass with the sun like to start a little fire. Um, and so the first thing uh, when I spoke to our six-year-old son, Ben, on the, on the way back from Bluffnell, he's like, Dad, did you start a fire with your pee? <laughs> no, son. No, son. I said, what happens on the men's trip stays on the men's trip. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But... There's something about when you're thirsty for something. How thirsty are you for the Holy Spirit? Is there an eager longing 
for the Spirit of God to come and fill your life, to come and fill your heart. Because first, we must thirst. And then God pours out His Spirit. You see, the New Testament, we already read it in the doctrinally stuff at the start, but the New Testament doesn't teach once filled with the Spirit, always filled with the Spirit. It teaches us one baptism, but many fillings. Ephesians 5.8, this is the Apostle Paul, he says, be constantly, sorry, be constantly, that doesn't make sense, be constantly being filled, anyway, that's my mistake, but constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. This word filled actually speaks about the process of filling, that it happens over and over again. It's ongoing. It's not just, even though we have those significant one-time events where God pours out His Spirit into our hearts and over our lives, it's a continuation of allowing God's Spirit to come and fill us. But first, we must thirst. And second, number two, we must be kingdom-minded. Acts chapter one, verse eight, this is the, uh, reference the Bible verse I was talking about when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the early church to so the disciples there. Um, this is Jesus speaking about what's going to happen. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, we need to be kingdom minded when it comes to the Holy Spirit, not just thinking about ourselves. You know, the Holy Spirit wasn't sent to us to help us in our golf game, to, you know, win the lotto, to get a pay rise, to pass an exam or get a great deal on eBay. You know, the Holy Spirit was given to us. Holy Spirit, please let me not hook this shot today. No, no, no. no. We, we, we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. and He's encourager. He's our comforter. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples so that they could be kingdom-minded, so they could see the good news, we could see the gospel expand. Then later in the New Testament, Paul speaks about how the Spirit comes to build up the church and also that it builds, us, it builds ourselves up, our personal relationship and our connectedness with God. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. You know, 50 days after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, the promise of the Holy Spirit came on what's known as the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost, once again, we'll do a little bit of history, but stay with me, this is the last part of promise. Um, Pentecost began actually way back in the Old Testament, and it was called the Feast of Weeks. Remember I said Jews always eating, always feasting. It was great. But Pentecost is just the Greek name for it because the New Testament was written in Greek. But this Feast of Weeks comes 50 days after what's known as the Passover. Now, the Passover is when the people of Israel were in Egypt. They'd had all the plagues, all the crazy stuff. They'd be, you know, Pharaoh, let my people go. I'm sure you've seen the movie. Um, you know, all that, all, that, all that sort of thing. And it comes to the last plague where it's the angel of death. And God instructs the people to sacrifice a lamb and to, I know this sounds gross, but to paint the, the blood of the lamb over the doorposts of their home. And then what, what would happen then is when the spirit of death would come over the land, it would see that, it would pass over, that's why it's known as the Passover, and would move on. Now, you see, 
this Feast of Weeks, it starts 50 days after the Feast of, after the, feast of the Passover. And in the Old Testament, this Passover is a type and a picture of what Jesus did on the cross, that he was our sacrificial lamb, that his blood was shed for us so that we would no longer be under death, we would no longer be under a curse, but we would be under the life of Jesus Christ. And just like in the Old Testament, 50 days later there was the Feast of Weeks, which is where God gave Moses the, the law. In the New Testament, there's the crucifixion of Christ, the blood of the Lamb, that we're freed from spiritual slavery. Then 50 days later at Pentecost, God gave his Holy Spirit who wrote the law on men's hearts to convict them of sin. So basically what we have is we have this picture in the old of this sacrificial lamb passing over so that the people of God could move from death into life. And then 50 days later, we have God giving uh, Moses the law, and this is now how you're going to live. And then that's mirrored. That's just what, the, what we call in Bible terms a foreshadow. So that happens in the Old Testament. Then we get to the New Testament, and Jesus Christ sacrifices his life, death on the cross. We just celebrated at Easter. And then 50 days later, as a mirror to what happened in the Old, the Holy Spirit comes and falls on the disciples there. And now, there's not only the Word, but there's this Spirit that comes and convicts us of sin. This Spirit that comes and leads people to salvation. On that day of Pentecost, Peter gets up and preached, and 3,000 people were saved. John 16, 8 says this is the Holy Spirit. And when He comes, He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Paul talked about the power of the Holy Spirit to witness when he spoke to the Corinthian church. This is 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4. He says this, And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' ministry begins when he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's water baptized by John the Baptist. He comes up. This uh, Holy Spirit falls on him in the form of a dove, and he begins his ministry. The disciples' ministry begins when they're filled with the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost. You see, the filling of the Holy Spirit is to give us a power to witness, is to give us the power to perform miracles, the power to minister to the church, the power to righteous living. That is the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 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 yeah, that one. Goodness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit comes to fill us with those things. And then in Acts 4, after the filling of the Holy Spirit, we see this early church as this unstoppable force. The believers now total at least 5,000, and the Jewish leaders were disturbed about this, this new teaching of the way. And Acts 4, 7 and 8 says, they brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. So Peter's filled with the Spirit of God and he answers these people. But if you, if you know Peter's story, let's remember that not that long ago, this is the same Peter that denied Christ when he was, asked, when, when he was taken 
by the Roman authorities. But now we've got Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with boldness, filled with power, being able to answer the Jewish authorities and say there's, there's something here. There's something here. When you are filled, you will be bold. And there's a confidence that your words carry power, not because we have the greatest words to say like, like Paul said, but because the Holy Spirit comes and fills our words with His power and His strength. And so this morning, maybe as uh, Chris and Mel come and join me, this morning as we step into this week, Jesus is asking the same question as He did all those years ago. Would you come to me, all who are thirsty? Would you come to me, all who are thirsty? Because I've got living water to give to you. I've got living water to come and to fill you. So can I ask you, where can you show your thirst? Where can you show your thirst this week? This week, what will your thirst for the Holy Spirit inspire you to do? You know, in our life groups over the last few weeks, we've been, or over March and April, we've been speaking about worship. And worship is one of the, it's not just for, you know, four songs on a Sunday or whatever, but worship is one of the platforms that places our lives before God. We honour Him. We sing in the middle of the storm like we sang this morning. We raise a hallelujah. We cry out to the Holy Spirit to fill. So can I ask you, how's your place of personal worship been? Of setting yourself before God? Because there's something about that. There's something about that that shows our thirst for the Holy Spirit. What about your kingdom mindset at work, in your home? How can you allow more of the Holy Spirit into your everyday? I find for myself, and I, and I want to tell you and be really honest, I'm definitely not perfect at this, definitely on a journey with this, but I find that there needs to be a morning start somewhere. It's too easy to you know, I don't know what it is for you, but to get to about lunchtime and just go, oh, I've just gone through this day. It's gone through the routine. Ha have I made any space for God? Oh, or maybe it's evening time. Maybe it's about to go to bed. Oh, that's right. But, but I find somewhere, whether you're an early morning person or whether you're not, but somewhere near that start of the day, there's just that time to say, Holy Spirit, would you, would you speak to me today? Would you show me something today? And then when there's a start somewhere like that, there's a during day, I call it like a, a just a little touching base, a little prayer under the breath. What, what, do, you, what do you want, Holy Spirit? What, what, what do you want me to do today? You know, quite often in my... Um, other work as a, as a school chaplain. Um, I'll have a big long list of uh, students to see. And most, a lot of the time you know the ones to see first and other times you don't. And so sometimes when I don't, I just honestly have that 
uh, list, of, list of students to see in my, in my book. And I just walk out in the playground and I'm just like, okay, Holy Spirit, who, who, who do you have for me? Which, which, which one of these ones do you want to just like highlight or want me to see first? And you know, it's not like some, like, it's not weird. Like I don't go out and close my eyes. Like I'm not Sandra Bullock in Bird Box or whatever, you know, with my like blindfold on, just going, okay, who, who, who? No, no, nothing, nothing weird, nothing weird like that. But do you know what I find so often? I pray that, pray that prayer, and then suddenly this kid runs from around the corner. Like, oh, you. What are you doing out of class? Uh, uh, try and make up some excuse of what they're supposed to be doing. I think we need to have a chat. And I know that sounds like, because it's chaplaincy, it sounds like, you know, that's just like spiritual, you know, pastoring stuff again. But, but it, it is partly, but you know, the biggest thing is actually about people. And there's people in your world, whether you're an engineer whether you work in mining, uh, whether you're a school teacher, whether you're in office somewhere. I mean, unless you're an absolute like data analyst, um, you know, analyst that just sits in your cubicle by yourself and never see anyone, somewhere in your work world, somewhere in your everyday week, there's people. And I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit, He can come and guide you and direct you when it comes to people. It could just be an encouraging word. It could just be a smile. Or it could be a, can I pray for you? I was at the hairdresser earlier, or the barber, I should say, earlier this week. And I was sitting there and he was cutting my hair and I was thinking, I love this barber because he never talks to you. It's awesome. It's like, just get there, sit there. He does his thing. Then you're finished and you're out. And then I just felt like, I'm like, oh, that's right. No, no, Holy Spirit, people, people. And so I just asked him a few questions, had a little conversation. How's business going? I, you know, school holidays are ending. It's crazy, blah, 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 blah. And there, there wasn't some like epic moment. He didn't, you know, fall to his knees and say, I need Jesus Christ. And then I didn't pray and lay hands on every person, you know, at the barbershop in the forum. But what it was, was just, and I missed this many times, was just, me saying, Holy Spirit, I'm here. I'm with someone. What, what, what do you want? What, what do you require of me? Where, where are you leading me? What are you, what are you asking of me? Jesus, is like, maybe try a different hairstyle this time. No, Holy Spirit, can't be you. No, no, you know. But it's just, just, sit, just sitting. And there's something about the obedience to listen to the Holy Spirit's just little leading and guiding. And, and I find that the more I do that, the easier it is to hear His voice, to follow His promptings. We don't always know the outcome. We don't always know what's going to happen. But our responsibility is to be available and be obedient to what He has for our lives.